Welcome to the Men Among Demons podcast. In a disoriented world, this is the podcast that asks what would happen if we truly put Christ at the center of our thinking. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Opperwall. And I'm your host, Dr. Greg Weeb. Hi, Greg. Hey, man. Today, I wanted to kick us off with uh, a question and a comment that came from one of our patrons, uh, who uh, whose support we very much appreciate. Uh, and uh, just as a quick plug here, uh, if you want to uh, get in the conversation this way, make some comments, even raise some questions, possibly give us topics for future episodes, uh, do join us, patreon.com slash men among demons. Uh, we just have the one tier right now. Uh, I think it's five bucks a month as of the recording of this episode. Uh, not only do you get the second half of each episode, but you can ask us questions like Jamie has done, and um, we may even do a whole episode devoted to your question, especially if it's a super good one uh, like Jamie has left us with. So, but here's here's what Jamie's after. He's asked us about, uh, well, he's not, not asked us, I suppose, but is thinking with us, <laughs> is offering uh, some food for thought with respect to the telos of the kind of world around us in comparison to the telos of the Christian life. And by telos, I mean, that's a Greek term, meaning the end or basically kind of the purpose. What's what's the point? What does it all amount to? Um, yeah, what's it? What's it for? So when we say telos, and where's it? And where's it going? Yeah, where's it going in the sense of its purpose, in the sense of what? Yeah, what it's intended toward. Um, so James brings up this contrast between these the, the telos of the Christian life and the telos of the life of the world. Some comments from him here. I'm just going to quote him. Um, it seems to me we've returned to the pagan notion that our cultural telos is to indulge the passions to obtain pleasure as the ultimate meaning of life. This is perhaps the heart of the demonic kingdom. Orthodoxy has so much to contribute from its history of attacking that very issue and calling to a much greater transformation. Two ideas could not be more contrary than the traditional Christian call of escasis so as to obtain theosis and the plunge into passion as the way to fullness. So I'll just... Dish that over to you, Greg. Um, <laughs> what do you think about James's comments? And uh, what do you think the telos no. of this world around us, this world of demons um, among yeah. among which we stand, is? What, what What is its telos? Yeah, let's fit. Like, I mean, let's let's figure this out. I think, like the. The little handle I've got on it that we should, you know, well, then all that, you know, this is where I'll start, but we should try to unpack the meaning. I mean, what you're, what you're talking about, what you're asking about is what, um, you know, listeners may know that my, my primary research has been on, on the work of St. Augustine, one of his great tomes as the city of God, uh, you know, takes up the early Christian tradition of, two ways, right? The way of life, the way of death, the way of light, the way of darkness, uh, and, and so forth, uh, two kingdoms, uh, as two cities, right? These are two cities, city of God and the earthly city. So I, I take it. That's what, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're, we're talking about. I mean, the thing about the earthly city, the city that is predicated upon, um, one's one's own preference for one's own preferences, so to speak. Right. 
either you live either you live for God towards God unto God in worship of God in the heavenly city with the angels and the saints or you prefer something else to God whatever it is and whatever else it is that you prefer what you're doing is preferring your own preferences the end of that there is no end of that city uh, not in the sense of uh, not in the sense that it's going somewhere. It's not going anywhere. It's it's going towards destruction because all things hang together uh, and have their existence in God. So the the rejection of God fundamentally is the rejection of uh, of life. It's the rejection of the very possibility of bonds of community. Um, uh, you know, the, it is no city in the end, in the final accounting. But obviously what's like, what's so, what's, you know, what makes it so interesting to think about is that's obviously not the case in the time being, right? It's very, like we very clearly have, you know, different sorts of communities. Um, you know, and Augustine famously, famously defines a city as sort of heuristically at one point as, um, you know, a, a, a communion of, of people bonded together by their loves. Right. And so whatever you, whatever you love is uh, whatever you love in common with others is the basis of your communion. And then, so the true communion is those who love God and, and uh, the communion of the earthly city is those who love themselves, but it is a real, a real community. Right. Um, so I think uh, in the time being, Right, it's a real community in the time being because we clearly do. That's that's how our system works. I mean, this is what this is what I take. Uh, you know, this is what I think Jamie's after, which is that clearly we have a society that that functions and has functioned very well, precisely on the basis of sort of g- getting out of the way as much as possible. And this is certainly how you know s- sort of right wing conservatives you know, under, understand, you know, liberal societies that the government gets out of the way and allows the freedom for people to follow their own desires and, and, and pursue their own dreams. And like it, it has worked at, at least by certain key metrics, like it's worked extremely well. Um, but there is, you know, uh, you know, and the motive behind the question is like, there is this underside to it. It's like, what if, you know, what is, what is the higher meaning? What is the more important meaning of constructing a society on the basis of everyone going after their desires? Um, and I, and I think, you know, it's hastening towards this end. That is, that is, that is a, that is a kind of rejection of the basis of, of the, the possibility of desiring anything at all, right? The very the rejection of the possibility of life. So I don't know. I mean, that's so I, I, I start I start there, right? Like the handle is that like there is there is no end. The end is a is there is no purpose for it. It's just it's it's purposeless. What what drives it then? I mean, you said love of self, which has me thinking of Maximus, St. Maximus the Confessor, who is my favorite reader of St. Augustine, uh, which I, it's a 
theory, although I'm not alone in this theory, but I, I, I think Maximus knows Augustine quite well. You take it and, as a matter of faith. To, to a large degree, of, or he's a, it's a gloss on Augustine, but that's a whole separate uh, sort of yeah, historical yeah. book. <laughs> just throw <laughs> that little shot in there for sure. <laughs> I got to get it. I got to get it whenever I can. Whenever I'm I can. Totally with you. Um, it makes historical sense, folks. He spent his whole his whole career in the West. But anyway, um, uh, Maximus is very interested in philautia, love of self, as as the root of or the, sort of the root of all evil, so to speak. <laughs> um, so what in the society, if that's the root of things, what is it that's driving the things we do? Because I, I don't think it always appears to be love of self. And it's certainly not consciously always that. There seem to me to be certain kinds of conditional worldly goods or apparent goods that we get very, very, very motivated to pursue, you know, even to, you might almost say obsessed with that are not just, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of, I'm trying to push back a little bit because I, I don't think it's, it seems to me to be a little out of touch with my experience of this society to say that we're just all running around trying to please ourselves. I think a lot of people really are trying to like make the world better. Um, and in ways that, well, they may or may not accomplish. Sometimes they, well, and you already said this, sometimes we kind of do by certain metrics, we've accomplished an astonishing amount, you know, place like Canada. Um, and if by certain metrics, it's a, an incredible place. I'm not sure there's another place I'd rather live on the material front ever in history. Frustrating though this place is frequently especially these days <laughs> so we've accomplished a lot and i don't think it's out of just pure absolute no i think people outside the church a lot of people outside the church are you know not sociopaths <laughs> <laughs> or, or or radical clinical narcissists some people are <laughs> but, but the direct uh, implication of augustine is that all people <laughs> outside the church are, are well, sociopaths yeah. So, okay. I mean, obviously putting it that way gets a laugh, but, but I think go, go with that because so what, what do you mean that? Like if we can refine the point of what you're saying a little bit, it's not like everyone's just saying, screw you. Um, you know, I'm going to get what I want and get out of, get the hell out of my way. I don't think some people do behave that way, but, but a lot of many, 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 many people don't, even though they're not Christian or anything. So what's going on What's going on there? I mean, what does it mean to to be fixated on love of self? Yeah, like the the whole thing is really, you know, how how we'd call in, how we'd name in scholarship anthropological. Uh, it has to do with who, who. I mean, it's very interesting, right? It really has to do with you know this understanding of cities and of of ends of people and communities and whatnot have to really have to do with how the human is constructed. It's something that Augustine saw, it's something that Maximus saw, it's something that the saints see very much so. It has to do with how the humans are how humans are constructed. And and see, Jamie gets it too, because you know, because like because where does he go in the end of the question but um but Theosis, right? He says, uh Ascesis and Theosis, right? So self-discipline, self-mastery, self um, you know, uh self-restraint and so forth, deta- uh, and detachment. Um you know, from passions and theosis, deification, divinization, becoming godlike, 
becoming uh, becoming God. Um, insofar as God makes it possible for his creatures. Right. So it has to do with like the, the ends, the ends of the, of the human person, uh, him or herself. And, and I think, right. Cause, cause what, because how do people work? How are people built? Uh, how are people created such that they work the way they do? Um, we have, uh, you know, we we have these bodies, but we also have this this you know this principle of motion, this and this and this capacity for intellect, and um, and we're and we seem to be built to have these desires, and in part, you know, one one of the things that we need to have desires for are the things that uh, that help us sustain our bodies which are part of ourselves, right? We have, we desire food and we desire uh, sleep and, and drink and we desire social interaction, right? That's not, that's not, that's a body, you know, the bodily need in, in part. Uh, we desire sex. We desire to, uh, you know, keep the human project going. Uh, we have these desires that are appropriate for our embodied existence, Right. Blameless passions, Maximus calls us. That's his. That's his term. Blameless <clears throat> passions. Yes. Is that what yeah. You said? yeah. 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 Well, exactly. Hunger is a hunger is a passion, but it's it's blameless. You're supposed to get hungry, otherwise you wouldn't eat. And I think even sex for Maximus is at least well. This is probably debatable, but I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But um, at least potentially that. Of course, it's much more fraught than hunger. But for hunger is pretty darn fraught too. I mean, we you know we stuff food down our gullet all the time and we don't need to eat it. But the, the existence of hunger is, is needed. Yeah. So the blameless, blameless passions. Yeah. And then, and then, but we also have, you know, uh, we quite, quite frequently get the sense that um, as much as some of us or some part of us, you know, thinks that if we just had all of those bodily satisfy uh, bodily passions, bodily needs fulfilled, then we'd be happy. We also know that, um, we do, we do desire more that when we get what we want, we, we keep hearing these stories and finding it in our own lives of that, that people, you know, sort of more or less get the things they want and yet, eh, still not happy. Um, right. Still something missing. Right. And so, you know, you have these more, these more mysterious, um, these more mysterious, uh, desires, that we seem to be built with. And I guess like, this is the, this is the point, like, is that we're built with this. We're created with this. This is part of our nature, both to desire the things that will sustain our bodily existence and, and to desire the things that will sustain our uh, psychological and, you know, spiritual or noetic existence, right? We decide it's really important to us to like, to feel like we, we know what's true. And we'll argue endlessly. Like for some reason, it's it's not it's it's not only important that I know the truth, but that sometimes you know I gotta like I gotta say it. I think you're wrong, and it bothers me when you're wrong. And I and and either either I'm not willing to say it because of of the social circumstances, or I'm a coward, or it's it's too awkward, or whatever. But like sometimes it's but or you know if that's the case, it'll it'll eat me up inside because you're wrong, and that bothers me. But I, you know, it also bothers me when I don't, when I don't know what's right, right? When I don't know what's, when I can't see through, like, 
I, t- I can't tell what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what the good thing to do is. Or I've got a question that's like, wh- what's the answer? I don't know what the answer, right? To know the truth. That's there. We also are built and created with the, the desire um, uh, to, to, you know, to know truth. And so there's this kind of energy within us. I mean, I, this is how I sort of colloquially think about it. It's like there, we have these energies, these drives to, you know, to satisfy these things. And, and, and then it's like a question, okay, well, what? That just opens up all questions. All, you know, is, are you going to spend your life focusing on, on, uh, you know, filling your belly and having the nicest meals or is it, you know, does that come at the expense of, of other kinds of recognition of the good? And like it all of a sudden flowers into an incredibly complex calculus of what to do with those drives and how to think about them in relation to one another, because, you know, we 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 only have a finite capacity to attend to things to to you know move you know uh to move towards things to um you know satisfy satisfy these desires right like you know before we met i had to you know i had to i i knew i was going to get we were going to be talking for maybe upwards of a couple of hours and i need to make sure that i've got a sandwich in my in my stomach before we can meet so we got to put off meeting sinful, probably <laughs> yeah right uh, we got to yeah. put off like I, I can't just do all things at once i can't sit here and make myself a sandwich and when i'm doing that in the kitchen i can't sit here and have this conversation with you but i want to do both things so we need to be making some decisions so do you, do you think the demonic pattern is as you're talking it seems to me and then launching from from james's point that part of the part of the demonic pattern in the world is to distract us from the drive toward the good, which I, I think, and this is kind of what I was pushing on earlier. I, I don't think in my experience of, of this world that, that that has been taken away from people completely with the rare and puzzling exceptions of, you know, the occasional true blue sociopath who doesn't, who really doesn't seem to have that. And, and that, we won't go. To, I'm not, we're not going to figure out sociopaths right now, anyway, theologically. But it, it's actually a really gigantic issue that I, I sort of wonder about. But okay, so the, the rest of us who are not sociopaths, um, but maybe aren't Christians at all and couldn't care less, or maybe think Christians are idiots. I mean, uh, still, most people, in my experience, have some level of drive toward the good. Certainly, exactly what you said towards what's true. Um, I do think people often value truth way less than various other things that they're interested in. And, and, you know, this is why we lie and so forth. And what, in a given moment, any of us might do that. Um, lying is just saying something's more important yeah, right now yeah, than yeah. the truth, which is yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. not even wrong. Right. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's not, it's not easy. I mean, you're getting, no. you can easily get into the weeds uh, yeah. on the, on this, right? Yeah. Well, we're not, we're not going to be a Kantian deontologist, but so the drive is there. I don't think the demons could ever, I mean, I might offer this theologically. I think we'd have to stay, say that it's theologically impossible for the demonic pattern, you know, demons and the demonic uh, as a pattern to seize from humans the desire for what's good, for what's true, for what's eternal, and and for expressing love 
to each other and doing good for each other. That's something that I think is basically universal to humans. See it in every culture, Christian or not, and including our own, including a secular version. But what's interesting about our, our culture right now, it seems to me, is that in those drives, we're constantly being peppered with, with new ideas, big flashing signs saying, this is what would be good. No, no, no. This was what would be good. This is what would be good. Uh, I think of like a stupid example, but actually maybe helpful is, uh, you know, what we're told to eat. Uh, you know, you can't, yesterday you couldn't eat eggs. They're going to kill you with the cholesterol. No, eggs are great. And uh, I feel like all of society is like that. It's like, here's what we should do to help people. You know, right now we're obsessed with preventing people from having COVID above all other goods for humans. Now this is meant to be, I think it comes from a place of genuine um, care for others because getting COVID is not a good thing. It could be deadly. And even if it's not deadly, it's a, it's a very serious disease. You don't want it. Um, so we're trying to care for each other by preventing it, but we become obsessed with like, this is the way to care for others in our society is to prevent them from having COVID. And that's it. Right. Uh, and, and that's obviously profoundly simplistic. Um, but it, it's like, it's almost like we can hold only socially hold in our heads one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or a couple of things. And, and they're always changing. And this causes us to become incredibly uh, just v- volatile. And then when, when people in society get different ideas about what would be good, we start to get this growing fragmentation politically, um, especially pronounced in the United States, but to some degree in Canada too, where people are fighting tooth and nail about what's what's good because they've got different ideas. They're driven to the good, but they see it in different places. And it, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I just wonder what you think about that. But um, it's just the, the, the demonic pattern is to just being unable to eliminate the desire for the good from us instead just distracts us and says, this would be good. It'd be good to be skinny. Uh, wait, it's not good to, <laughs> not going to be too skinny. It would be good if you had lots of money and it'd be good if other people had more money and better material lives. But wait, no, now look over here. There's COVID. Now, now look over here. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I mean, is is the primary function of the demonic to distract? Yes, I think the answer is yes. It's, that's that's not the whole that's not the whole story, but fundamentally, and that's probably the, that's probably the, the fundamental way to think about it. Um, in terms of like you you started off, you know, there's a, there's a lot in there to unpack. Part of it is that, yeah, you know, even like. Um, what what is the limit limitations of the effects of the demonic? Like, I had a section on this in my book, uh, right? Fallen Angels in the Theology of Saint Augustine. There's a Oxford University Press, twenty twenty one. Go take a look. <laughs> um, dealing with right, like dealing with exactly this, right? So for Augustine, it's it seems quite clear that that demonic influence happens at a, at a level of, of the human below the intellect. So there can always be a judgment and a discernment, uh, of, of the desires, the enticements that are being presented, the visions that are being presented. And when that's not the case, it's, it, it tends that it tends to work as 
exceptions that prove the rule when the human is is immersed in what we sort of think of as a stereotypical possession event right the demon takes over the body the you know the person like that kind of just proves the rule right the the person is not morally you know sort you know in the uh, just to just to sketch it out schematically right like the person in such a case is not really morally responsible for the things they're doing right so if if you know if if the if the person is taken over for that very reason this is not this is happening um in defiance of the intellect or in defiance of the will well that that happens when when one surrenders the intellect, but not, not to take us down that, that rabbit hole, but it, it does require. I think there's a more nuanced, I think there's a more nuanced way to think about that. And that's come out in, in conversations between you and me over the years that I think is not available. It's just not a point of reflection for Augustine. And I think that there's, there are interesting questions to go down there. But the point is like, yeah, fundamentally the way you, the, the way you have to think about it is that, is that we're built such that that demons, you know, demons only have a kind of limited. Uh, there are limitations to the kind of access that they have to us. That seems that seems clear to me in in Augustine, and that seems to be the tenor of of um, you know orthodox theological conceptions of the human. So, what is that access? It's exactly what you're talking about, right? It's 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 distractions, and the thing that I'm thinking more and more about these days is how our uh our desire the things that distract us the things that we get preoccupied with our behaviors our involvements whatever like all of this happens according to certain kinds of patterns right like i don't just all of a sudden desire you know to uh, like what do i desire to eat if i start if i you know to use food as an example like what do I what do I want to eat? Like how well, I right, think we're about, at the end of the Advent fast, so I could go for a double uh, bacon cheeseburger. Why did why why did you come up with that example? Where did that come from? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think partly that comes from my bodily appetites because now at the end of the fast, I have not consumed really any meat. It's tough to get through a whole fast with absolutely zero meat because things happen, but that whatever. Uh, I basically haven't consumed any meat, uh, and so I think at least part of it is physiological. Like I'm, I'm, I'm now being like I kind of need the nutrients right now that are in that bacon cheeseburger. Uh, I think it's got a lot of iron, it's got a lot of animal fats, it's got a lot of heme iron. My body knows it; it's kind of needing to replenish some supplies, B twelve things that are in animal products that I haven't really been consuming. So it's part of it is that, which makes it to some degree an innocent passion, but this is not, that's to add to your point, not take away from it. Where did that come from? You yeah. didn't say Wiener schnitzel. You said a burger is an Amer like the burger is the American, you know, me and North American, like food, meat, food of choice. Uh, I would love to have a burger right now. I am totally with you, and I and I would not say Wiener Schnitzel either. But think about it. It's like, and and why is that? Like, it's so complicated. Why it's a burger that you want? It has to do with how you grew up. It has to do with your experience with the burger. It has to do with all the McDonald's ads that you see on billboards everywhere. Like, I don't really so, like McDonald's burgers, but but your point is is is, is on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <clears throat> so like, just had to get that little shot in there, eh? I'm an A&W guy, man. I, <laughs> if true. I'm going to a big chain fast food restaurant, I'm going to be at an A&W or a Wendy's. You're not wrong. If I'm like, I want a fast food burger, 
That's true. It'd probably be a matzo burger. We should not the be NW talking or about Wendy's, this. Uh, the um, Metamind Demons podcast is hereby endorsing A and W and or Wendy's oh. as your large fast food chains of choice. Unless they want to contribute to the podcast, no. <laughs> um, but right, like it has, like the the the, the reason that you th- that that in the example you think about a burger is is complex. It has to do with you know, you're nearly 40 years of history as an, as an existent human being it has to do with the, the media around us, right? In other words, the, the desire for a burger at this point in, 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 um, in, uh, contravention of the fast, uh, or in anticipation of the end of the fast has to do with patterns like that desire is shaped by patterns, um, patterns of human existence that come from you know our relations to one another and the and the culinary culture that we build together the various various culinary cultures and all sorts of that and so and and it's those patterns like those are those are liturgical patterns you know they are um our entire life is lived in these patterns and that it's it's in those it's in, uh, you know, they're they're symbolic, right? The the ad on the billboard is is symbolic of of things, you know. Your desire is is playing on a symbol of of uh, sentiments you have about food from from uh you, you know your life growing up and and family life and all sorts of things, barbecues in the backyard and all of that, right? So all of those all of those patterns um, are the are the medium of of angels, right? I, either I, fallen or unfallen. Either fallen or unfallen. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the medium of angels. So, I mean, I think I think we're getting. I might have to be called back to the back to the question a bit here. Um, but that's but like that's the register. Uh, that's the register we're talking about. And and the thing is, like you do right. So you do have these patterns. Uh, they are entire social existences are constructed uh, in terms of these patterns and in relation to these patterns. Um, and for, for exactly um, be, because these desires get manifest, like that's how we express our desires and that's how we learn to understand our desires, right? Like it's, it goes both ways, I guess is part of what I'm trying to say. You're a historically located human being, uh, you know, a, a, Born, you know, born in Detroit, living in Hamilton, and 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 that you know ha- you will give shape to how you think about these desires that are built into us: desires for food and 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 sleep and sex. Right, like our sleep habits are 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 culturally mediated. Right, we don't do biphasic sleeping anymore. Our lives, our people used to do the two sleeps and have a and have a break in the middle of the night. That used to be very common. People still fight with that these days because their bodies tell them that they should do this. And it's like, Oh, I'm not getting any sleep because our lives are ruled by the clock. And now, and now we have a certain time we've got to get up and all that. So all, you know, what, what we think of as sort of innate desires cannot be understood apart from these cultural patterns of existence. And so, you know, that's part of what, that's part of what we're even talking about when we're talking about, you know, about 
communities. Well, to, to sort of tie it back again, but, but also flip to the other side to think about it in, in, in angelic terms a little bit. Um, the telos of it, which you've proposed in, in the world or in, in this kind of demonic pattern it is kind of nothing. The telos is, well, is literally a nothingness. It's the opposite of God. It's just into anarchy and chaos. You, th- that pattern uses these desires to just get us, yank us around, you know, aimlessly, constantly grabbing at, you know, maybe that next hamburger will somehow make me feel, you know, good now forever (laughs) and i'll be truly sated or something which can't happen and people get addicted to food and uh and and people get addicted to harder things you know looking for that next big high or whatever this next shot of heroin will be the one that i just stay high forever almost um and or the next drink or whatever it is it's it's disordered in its total its total chaos its total lack of telos so um it strikes me then that to make to make something like um, the consumption of food, to put it into the angelic pattern is to put it into a pattern that let, let heads towards theosis, as James brought up, and glorifies God. It occurs to me that, you know, every year on Pascha, either on the day or maybe on Clean Monday, like I, I will get out and I'm, I'm going to hunt down a hamburger. Uh-huh. And that, and that may be, um, well, if I were Monday, living in Monday Greece, Monday. Uh, sorry, bright Monday, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Monday. I don't have Mondays for something order. else, but clean if you're Monday, going, I try not I mean, to eat anything at all, cause you're hunting these for something else, that, that's, that'll key. Tell you something. Yeah, that's yeah. key, right? Cause, cause it's, it's part of creating a pattern, a rhythm, but it doesn't say you can't eat hamburgers. Right. Um, and now if I lived in, in Greece or if I lived in, um, Zimbabwe, uh, maybe they love hamburgers in Zimbabwe. I don't know much about Zimbabwean food, but like I might, it might be some other dish that I was, you know, just keen to get on, on Pascha or the next day. And, uh, and I, I love to eat the lamb with my Greek wife. Cause that's, that's part of her pattern that she's been enculturated. And it's kind of become part of my pattern, which is another, which is an interesting thing. How we can kind of share these things. Um, but, but either way. So if I'm out of the joy of the resurrection, you know, biting into that first hamburger, it is at least potentially angelic. It could be, you know, I may, even at Pascha time, I may or may not do this for the right reasons, but, but if, if one consumes to celebrate out of the abundance of joy of realizing that Christ is, is risen from the dead, trampling down death, death, or, or what we're about to do, which is now we're in the Christmas fast. So we're about to celebrate Christ's birth. And it's the same thing. You know, it's a, a pretty long fasting period followed by, a major feast where we are going to eat, <laughs> we are going to drink and we are going to do it together and we are going to be joyful. So putting it, patterning it is incredibly important. I think from what you're saying to, to set it, to order it such that it vectors us to think about God, Christ, the birth of Christ, which is coming up two days from now and versus thinking about it as patterns towards i guess you're right like really almost nothing nothing but just impulse we get in this habit where we get an impulse and we we follow it we do what it says and then we and then we just rinse and repeat over and over and over that and over. itself is a pattern like a ping pong right? ball a pattern of yeah. how we deal with the patterns of our desires for for food alcohol what like yeah. whatever 
That's right. And so most things in the Christian life that are these material goods uh, are not just banned, <laughs> but intended to be ordered. Certainly, this is how it works in the Orthodox Church, by and large, uh, including including sex, too. I mean, sex just has to be ordered where it belongs and not where it doesn't. And I think even our our, our culture actually recognizes that much more than people will let on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a bit of an aside, but like the the number of relationships that even our you know hedonistic culture would accept, allow as being okay to to sexualize is, is a very very small percentage of your relationships. Um, so there is that sense that this is a thing that, if let out of its proper place, is is dangerous, very damaging, uh, to the point that people go to jail and so forth, uh, as they should. Um, and so this is this is the church's insight, I think, to to say these these are goods that must be placed in a certain kind of pattern in order that they be angelic rather than demonic. Yeah, super important because because otherwise, like because the temptation, especially when you start thinking about things like demons, is like, well, what are the demonic things? Okay, burger is that an angelic or a demonic thing? Well, if it's a demonic thing, well then I better not ever have one. Don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. fast from it then. I just don't <laughs> don't consume it at all. But it's not. Yeah. But but it clearly. But that's not how we. That doesn't make saying it that way doesn't help us make much sense of our existence because you can because you can eat a burger, and have you know nothing have happened to you, uh, and it's you know, you know what I mean. Like it's it doesn't really help us. Uh, uh, to think in sort of narrow those narrow terms, it doesn't really help us understand much about our lives. Um, but to think of it, but to think of it in terms of like, okay, it's not really, it's not really this or that thing itself that is good or bad, except for you know maybe you know conceivably there could be a, a, a you know a, um, something or other that we we might want to categorically uh, prohibit. But broadly, you know, broadly speaking, we're talking about you know, not this or that thing that, uh, that is demonic, but like exactly what you're saying, reordering, like thinking of it in terms of how, okay, how do we need to connect the different patterns of our lives so that we can flourish more? Like what's the wisdom? Like, and, and that, you know, and so, and so the church exactly for that exact reason incorporates these patterns of fasting and feasting. You need to feast because, uh, you know, God has given, has given us all life and that's, and that's worth celebrating. And you need to fast because you need to know what you're, what you're supposed to take most seriously. Right. That's the, that's the overlaying pattern of all, of all the other patterns. It's like you, you, you know, you're fired at like constantly fired at with all, all these different things to desire. So how am I supposed to navigate this? How am I supposed to know when to give in and when not to, and how, and where, where to indulge and where not to like, how do I even think about this? Well, that that's what the church does. That's the, like the angelic architecture of the church is exactly this way of, 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 um, of, uh, of of establishing a you know a, a set of wisdom, um, you know angels are created wisdom that that are manifest in the structure of the church that help us help guide us through uh, you know this this the, you know these stormy stormy seas.
Yeah. So in the second half, I want to ask you about, or we'll, we'll want to invite us to talk about um, how we set that architecture up, uh, which is not, you know, I can say already is not something we just do for ourselves or by ourselves, but I'll unpack a little bit how that actually works. But before, before we get there, just to finish off this half, it uh, just occurred to me while you're talking, and I, I think that's kind of an interesting point. Can you think of a serious question? I'm, I, I'm not, not a leading question, sincere question. Can you think of anything that's categorically prohibited? That's fundamentally anything, uh, any, anything in the life in the created order that is categorically and exclusively and only ever possibly demonic. Is there anything at all on that list? Certainly there's not, you know, any food. Uh, certainly it's not sex. It's certainly not um, even these dr- drugs that we get addicted to. They, they have a place, you know, all like all of them have a potential, basically all of them, I think, a potential therapeutic value, but we use them in disordered ways. Is there like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to a, an Orthodox, you could never receive opiates or something like, well, you sure you can. Some of these are very valuable. Many of us literally have like you know what's what's uh uh opiates or opioids right you know a post uh pain medicine post-surgery and so forth yeah Absolutely. well it's, it's a crisis in our society because they've come out of where the pattern in which they belong uh which is the fault of many many people but um but it's they're not they're not evil is, is there anything on the list is there anything that is categorically just demonic only ever. And can like only it ever probably be. depends on uh, the, the, you know, the level at which you're looking at, right? It's like, because, because um, it's kind of bit, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of a question about how far you're zoomed in or out, right? Because you might say something like, you know, bestiality is always wrong or something like that. But that, but you, you zoom out and that's, that's just a misuse of sex. So if you, so if you narrate, if, if you're talking about that as, as a misuse of sex, then it's, then it's like, no. And I think pro- like probably, right. Cause what would categorically be wrong for Augustine? It's like never sacrifice to a, to a false idol, right? Never sacrifice to an idol or something. That's categorically wrong. But like, then you're talking about how do you, right? How do you make appropriate sacrifices? And of course, sacrifices are not, are not banned at all. They, you know, animal sacrifice, animal substitutionary sacrifice was very appropriate for Israel uh, uh, in its time. And now that has been transcended. Right. It's not sacrificing. It's the, you're right. It's the pattern to do it to the wrong God, basically. Right. That's We sacrifice to God. Every day, and <laughs> we should be right. And, that's, and the, the Eucharist is our sacrifice. That 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 is the extension of the, of the yes, temple sacrifice. Exactly so right. Yeah. And so and so the problem and the problem kind of to tie it back to that original question. It's like the problem of of the earthly city of the world is that it offers to its own desires. It offers to demons, and that's how Augustine puts it: offers to demons what should only be given to God. You should be sacrificing, devoting yourself, uh, worshiping the one true God alone, who's un- incarnate in Christ and manifest in the church and the Holy Spirit, right? And when that sacrifice, when that devotion and honor is given simply to your desires and, and you, the patterns of your life are configured in a different way to serve different kinds of gods, to, to elevate the importance of different kinds of patterns— 
that don't lead you to Christ, then you're giving that you're giving that sacrifice as as though incense in your heart is being offered to demons. That's that's right. So that's the issue. And fundamentally, because it is because it is an attempt to establish a communion on the basis of your own individual personal desires, there is like you're talking about a communion that is no communion. You're not in union in unity with anyone or anything other than yourself, which, and you can't be the basis for yourself. God is the basis for yourself. And so if you, if you, if you use what God has given you to indulge your own desires uh, and offer incense uh, in your heart to, to patterns of living that are finally in the end, self-serving, there's there's nothing there you're you're devoting yourself to some to nothing right you're using that which god has given you to connect with him to pretend that you're your own creator and it's a lie right well i'm gonna draw this to a close but just with one last just this half and we'll, we'll keep going um but with one last comment i mean it's it, it strikes me as notable how radically different a view that is of human behavior as compared to um, stereotypical Christian approaches, but also frankly, most secular approaches, which look at things as being about a list of behaviors that are okay and good and allowed and behaviors that are not. And instead to, to say, this is about, this is about patterns. It's always about patterns, which the result of that could be in certain circumstances that you, you never do such and such, or you basically never do such and such, you know, can you possibly conceive of a situation where adultery is the right thing to do? Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, but it's <laughs> going to be an incredibly unlikely. It's a very specific thing. situation. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, pretty, for all intents and purposes, it's as good as we could have basically have a deontological principle that says you 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 shall not do that but at the end of the day even even in things that are that clearly always not okay um it's not because there's a list it's not because there's a list in heaven that says you don't do this it's because the it it breaks you from the one pattern to the other yeah so let's talk about the angelic pattern in the second half and I'll say that uh, before we go, um, do please join us at patreon.com slash men among demons, uh, become a patron, support this podcast to get the second half of each of these episodes, to get involved in the conversation, ask us questions, maybe set next time's topic. Uh, we're looking forward to having you join the community. And here's a taste of what you will hear in the second half of today's episode. We don't just sort of spend our lives <laughs> You know, in in the immediate noetic apprehension of the yes, divine, right? Correct, this is sort of not- well, we couldn't. You couldn't. You would. You would explode. You would die. Which is what. Which is what we're told in the Old Testament. You can't right. just look me straight in the eyes, or you'll you'll die. That's right. All right, Greg. Well, we'll pause it for here, and I will see you over in the second half. Your support makes this podcast possible. Find us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash Men Among Demons for exclusive content and to join the conversation. 